Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is once again time for the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. Uh, we are back once again to bring you another episode. Slade, Nick, and George all here once again. Had an action-packed weekend. We had NASCAR. We had golf. Uh, we had college football. We had NHL. Uh, excuse me, we had NFL. Uh, NHL preseason did start, and so we will start our NHL season previews for you tonight as well. Uh, so a lot to get into, so I'm going to throw it over to Slade, and we're going to get the show on the road. Yeah, so like you said, a lot this weekend. Um, just want to get it started with NASCAR first. They were at Texas this past weekend, and uh, Tyler Reddick ended up getting the Tyler Reddick ended up getting the win, but it was a lot of drama throughout the race, especially when it came to tires. Um, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the race. Uh, we saw Chase Elliott. Uh, he hit the wall while leading. Tire went down. Multiple people blew tires over the weekend, and it wasn't at at like they were they were going too long with the tires or anything like that. It was 30 laps into a run. So, Nick, I just wanted to start with you and what your thoughts were this past weekend with the race. Yeah, um, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of the race. Got to see bits and pieces of it. Um, uh, it's about how we expected it to go uh, being there at Texas. Um, actually, more of a crap show than probably what anybody expected due to all the tire issues and whatnot. Um, biggest thing for me was, you know, we get to see the playoff race shake up a little bit, um, which I guess is somewhat uh, probably the only good thing that we can take away from this track this weekend. Um, Tyler Reddick getting another win this season, um, you know, looking to end the season strong. You guys are going to talk about it more than I'm going to. Uh, I hate this race, especially for NASCAR. I mean, and you add on the tire issues on top of everything. We've had issues all season. You had a whole season to try to figure something out. Nothing's gotten done. Um, everybody's kind of getting tired of it at this point. So uh, outside of the on-the-track racing and playoffs and all that stuff, it'll be interesting to see how all this unfolds uh, going into next year. Yeah, George, what were your thoughts on the weekend? Yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't expect Texas to be a good race. I mean, we've had complaints for years about just the surface there in general and, and how crappy the racing is at Texas. Um, I know it's announced in, in, at, after the 2023 race, they'll tear it down and re reconfigure it. It hasn't been announced what that reconfiguration is going to be. Is it going to be a short track? Are they going to do it like they were doing at Atlanta and make it like a super speedway kind of feel, which I really hope they don't. Um, but it's interesting to see what happens there. But we've seen the NAS or the, the tire issues start to creep in through NASCAR throughout the season. It seems like it wasn't that big of a deal to start the year um, and, you know, throughout the summer and stuff. But here the last few weeks, especially you think back to Bristol, uh, I feel like there was huge tire issues there all weekend. Uh, and now, it was amplified at Texas. I think it was a mixture of not just the setups and, and how bad the tires are, but how bad the track surface is there. Um, and it's not an old track surface. I, I don't really understand why it was, it was chewing through the tires as much as it was. Um, but the tire situation is definitely something NASCAR needs to figure out. It seems like every few years we go through this cycle where the tires get absolutely terrible. People complain about it enough. And then Goodyear is like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to change it. And they'll do something. And then... You know, again, we, we just go through the cycle where things are okay, and then they just go back to being bad. Uh, you think back to the 2008 Brickyard race, I feel like that's the last time tires were absolutely awful. They kind of got better there. Yeah, we've had seasons here and there where they were bad, but um, as much as we would like to see another tire manufacturer come in, like a Firestone, Bridgestone, somebody, uh, you know, come in uh, and, and make another tire, I, I feel like that's just going to add more problems. We're going to go back to the early 90s tire war that we had in NASCAR. Uh, and that, that'll put even more safety. And speaking of safety, um, I, I don't understand 
how we've gone through this new and approved car and everything's so much better. And it seems like safety has taken such a large step backwards. Um, we saw Kyle Busch just, you know, back in early August, late July at Pocono, seemingly innocent back into the wall. Uh, everything's fine. He's out still with concussion. I uh, hope that he gets better soon. Uh, a lot of the drivers have been complaining that, you know, the, the, the shock is just a lot more violent in these cars. They've been complaining about it all year. Even NASCAR has acknowledged it, but like, yeah, you know, uh, we, we knew it wasn't going to be a hundred percent, but you know, we, we figured we could work through it. And that upsets me as not just a NASCAR fan, but for these drivers, if, if you don't feel like a product is a hundred percent, why are you putting it out? Why, why would you not delay this another year? Why did you not work on any of the safety concerns after you delayed it a year already because of the COVID pandemic and all this other stuff? And I would be, I mean, I understand how frustrated these drivers are. They're, they're taking, you know, seemingly innocent bumps into the wall and they're flying back across the track. You know, they're getting concussions. Their cars are catching on fire. Uh, we saw Chase Elliott slam hard into the wall for turn four. Again, yeah, it's not unusual to see a fire there. But as quickly as that fire spread throughout the whole car, it was scary to see. We saw Cody Ware take an absolutely violent wreck. Um, and, you know, we, we, we saw before worse hits than that, and guys would walk away from the wreck. Cody Ware takes a hit off the outside wall, comes in and hits the pit wall, and has to get stretchered out, uh, you know, goes to the hospital. It's very concerning to see. Uh, I feel like that's going to turn a lot of these older drivers, especially away from NASCAR here soon. As I listen, my body can't take this year in year out for much more, um, and, and you know we're going to lose some really good drivers here sooner than what we should. Uh, but it's it's definitely there's multiple concerns across the board that NASCAR needs to address, uh, and I hope they do soon. But again, I wasn't expecting much out of Texas. We had some good restarts, and you know, racing was good for the first five, ten laps, and then after that, it was it was terrible. Uh, but like I said, it's nothing I didn't expect out of Texas. But the safety and tire concerns definitely need to be addressed going forward, uh, and hopefully, they are. Yeah, yeah, I think that, like you had said, the safety is the biggest issue. We we heard from it seems like Kevin Harvick the most this season about the safety issues, and that. Uh, a little hit into the wall. Now, obviously, we saw some major hits this weekend, but a little hit should not have them aching until the following Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, there there needs to be some some sort of change in that aspect. And I think, like you had said, uh, they they could have waited another year, but I think that just the the reasoning that there's there's no competition now anymore between manufacturers or anything. I mean, really, the, the only thing that they're able to do is the engine work. Everything else is from, everything's from the same exact place. You just put it on the car and you have to drive it that way. You cannot modify it at all. So, yeah. I mean, I, and I understand that from, from a competition standpoint, and it definitely has leveled the playing field, but I, a lot of these things, and I understand you, you don't want to open the door for cheating and all this other stuff, which we've already seen crew chiefs and stuff that, that is their job is to figure out a way to, okay, how can I tamper with the rules a little bit here and there? Um, but I, I really hope over the off season, especially they can sit down with a lot of these engineers and car chiefs and the people that work on these cars be like, okay, what, what do we need to improve here? Um, and that, again, I'm not saying they, they should have full, you know, openness to go in and change whatever they want about the car. Like, Hey, okay, let's, let's improve the safety features here. Like, yeah, you, you just got to get over the fact that, you know, you can't build your own exhaust system or something like that. Something stupid. That's going to give you five extra horsepower over the other car. That, that's the whole reason we went to the system is because we, we had a more level playing field. And I respect that from NASCAR. And I, I, I 
I do like that. We've seen a lot of, you know, random winners this year. Uh, a lot of, you know, midfield cars from last season, or even, you know, towards the back of the midfield up there competing for wins, top tens regularly, which I really do enjoy seeing. I'm not saying, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing should go out there and be able to manufacture all their own parts so they can go out there and just dominate the season. Uh, but they definitely need to take a look at the safety features, sit down and say either let them kind of tinker with that stuff or, or just, you know, have a full board meeting. Okay, what do you guys want to see improved and, and so on? But, yeah, um, I, I love Kevin Harvest's openness about it and the T-shirts he's making are pretty cool. So um, definitely, I mean, and I, I don't think anybody thought these cars were going to be perfect coming into the year. Um, but there, there is so there's a much bigger gap, I think, between what people were expecting and what the car is, that, especially with a, a year delay that I don't think should be there. And hopefully it, it can get closed even more before next year. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to touch on that. Like at the end of the race, we had saw the updated playoff standings and everything like that. It had later come out about the, uh, change from points a little bit, just, just based on the penalties that were handed out. Uh, William Byron being one of them as the playoff driver, he was docked, I think it was 25 points. Um, that was for wrecking Denny Hamlin under caution. Someone that we're not going to see on this list, but also got points was Ty Gibbs. He uh, he put Ty Dillon, I guess he he bumped into his car on pit road. And Dorsey so saw that. <laughs> uh, I also saw that he must have did the same thing to Eric Jones at some point during the race uh, under yellow flag. And Eric Jones had tweeted out and said, don't ever touch my car underneath the yellow flag. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if Ty Gibbs has a response there. Um, I saw Brad Keselowski was talking. He had said that it just looks like a teenager got handed the keys to a car and it's just kind of doing whatever he wants. Um, not quite the words that you want said about you when, when you're possibly taking over the 18 car next year with a lot of sponsorship needed for that car. Um, do you guys have anything else on? On NASCAR? I mean, just on Ty Gibbs real quick. I mean, n nobody's wrong about how spoiled he is. I mean, we kind of knew it. Uh, he's been a hothead in Xfinity and ARCA coming up through. And, it, I mean, we understand he's just the golden child, basically, from or grandchild from, from Joe Gibbs. And I understand that. But if he doesn't get it in check soon, people are going to start wrecking his race car. And it's going to get to the point where it, if Joe Gibbs doesn't do something about it, his paycheck is, or his, his wallet is going to start hurting because uh, – you know, I, I feel like Denny Hamlin has talked a lot this season about like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired of being pushed around. But the things that he's doing, you know, hitting people under caution, hitting people on pit road, uh, just not having any any respect for anybody out there on the racetrack. Sooner or later, he's going to get put into the wall. And if he doesn't stop, he's going to get put into the wall again. And, and sooner or later, you know, I understand Joe Gibbs is going to get upset that, hey, my race cars are getting torn up. But they're getting torn up because there, there's no repercussions for what's going on here. Um, so. <laughs> he needs to get in the check, or otherwise there's there's something coming for him. I, I I can already tell. Yeah, and I guess on him, the reason why his penalty was so significant because I think he was docked like fifty points and seventy five thousand dollars, which was significantly more than William Byron's, was because uh, the seventeen of Chris Busher was on pit road when they were passing by when they did that. All of his crew members were across the <clears throat> across the um, wall to to fix. Um, a wheel so yeah it's just something that he was definitely worried about that one of his team members since he's now an owner and driver could yeah. have possibly been hurt with that situation um moving on to what was electric in terms of 
Team USA chants. Uh, George and Nick really got Twitter going with with a lot of tweets afterwards. Uh, team USA and the international team wrapped up the President's Cup this past weekend. Uh, it, it was kind of a blowout from the beginning. It, they got up to a big, big lead. And then kind of mid-weekend, it seemed like the international team was kind of clawing their way back. And then towards the end of the weekend, um, they were able to close it out. Team USA was able to get the win. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts? Uh, it, it looked like Team USA, from from a standpoint, just in terms of Liv and them not being able to participate, it looked like Dustin Johnson was probably the only one that possibly would have been on the team uh, that that was excluded for being in Liv. So the team that they had was pretty, pretty stellar. You had Max Homa coming off of a win going in, had an uh, amazing time there. And then you also had you know the, the duo of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, who just seem unstoppable, and they're, they're really good at talking smack to the other guys that they're going up against when they're in that duo. And then you also had Kevin Kisner, who is just dang near unbeatable when it comes to this style of play. What were your thoughts on this weekend, George? Uh, it was a really fun weekend uh, being here in Charlotte itself. I mean, there was a ton of events going on around the city. Uh, we went to one event on Saturday um, at the one brewery they had. It was they had Chippo set up. They had a closest to the pin with a golf simulator. Uh, there was a bunch of random golf companies out there. I ended up stopping at one and getting a pack of balls. I'm going to try them out tomorrow when I go out. Um, but it, it's so cool to just see a city get so enveloped by golf. Uh, I mean, there were so many people just at this one event out there having fun. Um, the, the stands all weekend at the President's Cup were packed. Uh, so it was a lot of fun just to be around the city itself. Uh, as far as a golf tournament goes, I, I think it was a great tournament. Like you said, USA started to run away with it early. Uh, but the international team, I think people just expected them to lay down and just kind of be like, oh, you know what? You know, we're missing all of our big stars because of, of Liv. And nobody expected them to come out to compete. And they did not give up. They did not. They, they fought the whole way through to the end. Um, you know, they got it within a few points there on Sunday. Uh, and then uh, Xander Schauffele put it away for Team USA. Um, but the atmosphere was really cool to see. Um, like you said, it was, it was we knew how good uh, – Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are in these situations and how good they are. The Ryder Cup, President's Cup, things like that. Uh, a lot of people coming in felt like Max Homa was just kind of like, oh, we don't have anybody else to put in here. So we just kind of slid him in. He goes 4-0 on the weekend uh, and wins all four. Sunday, he was down, I believe it was three strokes at one point. He doubled bogeyed and then doubled his first three holes. And he comes back and he wins. Uh, so that was that was awesome to see. Uh, Morikawa played really well. Um, and then, you know, the, the after party so far, I mean, we're still getting videos from that and everything. But just, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're rivals on the on the golf course. And as soon as you get off, even the, the international team, you know, Team USA interacting with them, uh, it's so cool to see, like, these guys are our best friends off the course. Um, I think it was Kisner was making jokes. I think he called Sung JM like, the, the, the hottest MF out there. And then uh, Seawood came walks up because you're the ugliest and like that stuff like that was funny uh, and just how these guys interact it was really cool to see and that's what we love about these events yeah I just wanted to say quick that I did say Kevin Kisner is really good at this style of play he did not play very well in terms <laughs> of his his specific matchups this week but uh no he's, he, he, he said he was comment he made the comment he scored a half point and in the uh, party yeah he and, scored and, a half point in the yeah, party he scored a half point in the course he scored the rest of the points in the party that he's yeah. the best partner there. Um, I was really surprised to see Scotty Scheffler not get a win. He got the, the, the tie there, but yeah, I was, that was the most surprising thing to me. I think Nick, what were your thoughts on the president's cup? 
Yeah, so um, entertaining weekend overall. It was uh, great to be able to witness that for the first time. Um, I I just imagine, like, so the first tee, um, the way they had the stand set up around there, like, uh, I had seen somebody before they had got on the course, they kind of showed what the stands were supposed to look like. And somebody describes it as walking into, like, the Coliseum, you know, like Gladiator or whatever. Um, which I, I could kind of see it, you know, after I looked at it, if you were standing at the tee box and like looking back, like I, I get with, where they were going with that. Um, but to walk through something like that, um, knowing, you know, you're getting ready to tee off for arguably, though it's not necessarily important, like for anybody's careers or championships or anything. Um, the players take this very seriously, the competition, you know, between the United States and the international team. And to walk through there, get ready to tee up, you know, everything everything's going your heart rates up and next thing you know somebody starts singing the fir- uh, first tt song um and then you remember oh crap i'm playing around like i would be playing with the boys on a saturday um so i i can't imagine for these players that there's probably any better feeling other than you know maybe winning a masters or winning the fedex cup or whatever um but being able to walk out there and spend a whole weekend really just having fun um you know everybody's relaxed doing the thing that they love to do getting paid to do it i can't imagine a better weekend um and i'm sure all these players would you know would kill to be able to continue to go back and do it and then one thing i didn't realize until sunday um is that they actually changed uh i think it was 16 17 and 18 yeah normally it's it's a different finish and then all of a sudden i'm I'm watching and they're on the normal 17 it's labeled like 15 i'm like i'm sorry like that's not the 15 what's going on (laughs) And then finally, like Sunday morning, an article popped up. I was like, oh, OK, they changed it. I didn't realize that. So that, that was definitely a different layout. And it was cool to see. And they said, you know, it, it really helped the match play. And I, I'll be honest, it, it absolutely did. We saw a lot of these matches go down to the final hole and they needed to make a putt on 18. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. So I went to Quail Hollow in 2021. So it was like still like kind of COVID restrictions and everything. And so obviously they didn't have the stands like they did for this. Uh, so I'll be interested to see next May uh, when I go back to the Wells Fargo, if they'll have that kind of uh, same setup or, or how different it is for just a President's Cup to like a, a normal, you know, mm-hmm. weekend tournament. So, yeah, so I'd actually read that they did that because the 16th, 17th and 18th hole are um, like very widely ranging in scores. They could be very important holes. And mm-hmm. some of these uh, rounds that they run tend to be over by say the 15th 16th hole so they wanted to make sure that those three um really really nice holes were included in it so I thought yeah i mean they, yeah they, they did a great job and it was, it was cool to see oh, that yeah. it's just like 18 and, oh, at quail hollows becomes so iconic i think with with the creek running down the left side and then it cuts across the fairway towards the end and i, I think the first one i saw was justin thomas's match on sunday and he's coming up 18 i'm like where's where's the creek like what like this doesn't look right <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden like i was like oh okay they changed everything but yeah that was, that was just different to see and like 17 is like an iconic island green and these guys are playing 17 i'm like what is going on i was so confused <laughs> for the longest time and then finally like i was like oh they, they changed the course even george on his toes yeah oh yeah yeah it was definitely a good weekend for golf and uh it was really fun like beautiful for- weather here too i'm sorry to cut you off it was beautiful oh, weather here. it was it wasn't too hot it was nice breeze it was it was wonderful out there i think sunday morning i think the early the early matches they were wearing sweatshirts and stuff i was like i'm mm-hmm. sorry what but <laughs> yeah like but like you said it was it was really nice afterwards to get to see all the videos from the partying and stuff that they were doing i mean it looked like they took two champagne glasses and filled up the cup and then <laughs> Kevin kisner chugged it so um <clears throat> yeah it was it was really fun to see um 
you guys have anything else that you'd like to talk about in terms of the golf or are you ready for what is probably your guys' most exciting part of this week's I, I think I'm ready for the most exciting part. Yeah. So it is time for the NHL Eastern Conference preview. George and Nick are very excited for this. Um, I need to find a team still, so they're going to help me out with that here. But uh, are we doing that first? Yeah, we're going to do that first. Okay, okay. All right, so we will go through the, the same kind of quiz we put Nick through last year. Um, so first things first, do, do you want a team like kind of local to you or do you, do you not really care? And I, I will say this. So if you so like Nick picked Seattle last year, you're, you, Seattle is guaranteed to play everybody at least once, especially on the road. So if you pick like an out west team, like you will, they, they will come to Pittsburgh or they'll come to Philly or Buffalo at least once a year. So. Yeah, I, I don't care because I don't want to limit myself to where I end up getting the Penguins with it, like you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, it would be better be if we team. all did a different team. <laughs> um. Well, then next up, uh, do you want your team easier to trash be, talk? Yeah. Uh, do you want like a perennial contender? Do you want a team that's kind of rebuilding, uh, or like a team that's like they're they're not always exceptionally exceptionally good, but even like the rebuild years are not like super terrible. Um. I don't know how to answer that question, but I like the bottom part of the page that we're looking on, the south portion. You like yeah. this year? Yeah, like with the, the Blackhawks, the Minnesota Wild, the Dallas Stars, oh, the just, just this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, do I need to pick two? No, no, I just, th- these are all the teams, so I just put everything. Uh, in yeah. All right, well, okay, well, then we'll make this easy. Do you, do you have a color preference? Mm. What do you yeah, look usually good stick, I usually stick with basic colors like black, gray, blue. <laughs> um yeah, I feel like that's so we got we got a blue and gray here with Winnipeg. Uh they have a great fan base. Uh they're they're always like on the edge of, of being a playoff team or not like just missing. I've been haven't never really sucked here lately. Um they missed the playoffs last year. But great fan base. I think they missed the playoffs last year. Uh great fan base. Um they're okay. Vegas is just scumbags. Uh, even if you wanted to pick them, I'm not letting you pick Vegas. I'm not letting you fall into That's that. That's a good guy. excuse for us to go out to Vegas, though. It, it is, but we could just go see our own teams playing Vegas. Yeah, fair. Uh, St. Oh, Louis. St. Louis is like a perennial like good team. Even when they're doing like rebuilds, they're, they're, they're not terrible. Uh, Nashville is kind of like in the middle of, of that conference again. Dallas, I would say the same thing is in the middle. Minnesota will always have a really good regular season, and then they'll just crap the bed in, in the postseason. Chicago is in a long rebuild right now. Um, they have stars, but they're not going to be good anytime soon. And Colorado just won the cup. Um, so, I mean, I you messed me all up. but <laughs> I messed you up? Yeah. I, was, I mean, I had all these questions ready, and you're just like, oh, I just want this section. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, he was filling the bottom section. Uh, so I here I'll, I'll so good. I would say good fan base. Uh, in the middle. Good fan base. Good fan base. Bad fan base. Good. <laughs> uh, they're fair weather fans. They're Chicago fans. They're fair weather. Um, so these are your good fan bases. They're in the middle, and like I said, this you know we're just gonna delete this. You're not gonna be a Vegas fan. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll stick with the good fan base ones then. Okay, um, so you got blue and gold here, uh, blue and silver, blue and gold, uh, green, and then blue. 
Um, did the Wild have to like sell the farm and everything to get like Flurry and the other guys that they got? No, they've the they, they, no, they they traded. So here's the the stupid thing about the Wild. They they had a playoff team. Like Cam Talbot was like one of the top goalies in the league, and they just traded for Flurry anyway. Which I mean wasn't a terrible decision because it's good to have a one two punch at, at goalie, especially in the playoffs. Um, but they pissed off Cam Talbot, and then they had to play Flurry all the time. Um, but I mean they gave up a couple draft picks and things, but they, not anything ex- exorbitant, I would say. Um, Winnipeg has Mark Shifley, who can be like one of the biggest douchebags in hockey. Oh, okay, there's my dollar. Um, the Blues don't have like anybody that you would want to hate. Uh, Predators. I, uh, Matt Duchesne can be an a-hole, but other than that, they're fine. And then you, you have the Avalanche still. Um, so I think that it's kind of between the Blues or the Avalanche because you said Predators have somebody that's <laughs> a bit of a douche. And then you have the Winnipeg Jets who just don't really have anyone that I would be able to buy a jersey from. That I would know or be able to pronounce their name, and uh, <laughs> then you said the Wild that they have a good team and their their team decides that they're going to pick up another guy to, to piss off the rest of their team members, <laughs> or at least that positional player. Sit down with the negativity in my life. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I got something in my contact. I think. Um, that's all right. I can still have C. I feel like I'm. Oh, are you, sorry. No, I was just trying to think of something. Go ahead. What were we going to say? I was going to say, I feel like I'm leaning more towards the Blues just because I don't want to pick the team that just won the championship last that's, year. That's fair enough. That I mean, that is that is completely fair enough. Like I said, they have a great fan base. Um, I'm already a bandwagoner when it comes to NBA, so I don't want to do it again in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, so now that we got that decided, uh, that was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Uh, so Slate is now a St. Louis Blues fan. So there we go. There we go. Got to get my jersey. Wait, what? Who? Whose jersey would I get from there? Uh, Ryan O'Reilly. He's a good one to get. Um, Jordan Bennington is their goalie. He's young. Um, oh wait, did he get hurt in the playoffs? Yeah, he did get hurt last year. Uh, he got taken out by Colorado. He got the head, right? Yeah, by Colorado. So uh, there you go. Now you already hate Colorado. Um, there you go. Perfect. But I'm yeah, struggling Ret- over here, boys. It's yeah, rough. I see that. Gretzky played for them for years. You can get a Gretzky blue jersey. Um, might have been more. Go rinse your eyeball out. Yeah, <laughs> I see him taking his contact. I saw it all sideways in his eyeball. That's Could you high res camera right there? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I thought my right one was going to give me issues, but that's all right. Anyway, keep going. I'm here for it. I can do this. So, George, uh, Maybe. we'll start with you with the, or I guess we we'll start with the the Eastern Conference most improved teams for this year. And what are your thoughts there? Yeah, uh, I am going to go with Detroit and Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa added a lot through the, the, the trades and signing free agents this past year. Um, their owner died just before the end of the regular season last year. And he had a stranglehold on that team. Uh, he was not a very well-liked person in, in the city of Ottawa. Uh, he let a lot of stars walk. Eric Carlson years ago. This is a team in, in 20. 17 made it to the Eastern Conference Final. I had to look at my Penguins banners for a second. I can remember the year. Uh, 2017 made, makes it to the Eastern Conference Final, loses in Game 7. And then the next year, they don't even make the playoffs, and they haven't been back to the playoffs since. Um, so this is a fan base deserving of a good team. They finally have an owner, and the GM you know, had free reign this past year. He just 
put money into this team. They, they drafted really well. They got a, a lot of really good free agents. Uh, Claude Giroux is now there. Um, so they got some veteran presence. They also didn't have a terrible uh, youth group um, with Brady Chuck, uh, Tim Stutzel, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherton. Um, and then they also signed Alex DeBrink, or they traded for Alex DeBrinkett from the uh, Blackhawks, excuse me. Um, and now they've also improved from having Matt Murray, who I think only played like six games for them last year anyway. Um, they got rid of him. They bring in Cam Talbot, who had a .911 save percentage and 32 wins last year for the Wild. We just talked about him a little bit. So I think he's going to do wonders uh, for Ottawa next year or this year. Uh, as far as the Red Wings, they added Ville Husso in goal, uh, Ben Sherratt, Olimata on defense, Andrew Kopp, who we saw do great things for the Rangers in the playoffs, uh, and David Perron, who just left from St. Louis, um, has been a staple there for years. Uh, he's a workhorse winger, but he's a veteran guy. He's been to the playoffs multiple times before. He's won Stanley Cups. Uh, so now they bring in all this experience. Uh, I think this is a Detroit team. We saw flirt with the wild card position for a little bit, and they kind of fell off throughout the year. Uh, they're also bringing in a new head coach. So Steve Eiserman has really poured a lot of attention and money into this team. They're tired of being the laughing stock kind of of the Eastern Conference. They want to get back to that historical way, uh, you know, that they had through the '90s, early 2000s, especially. Um, you know, people don't look at them the same. That their their play postseason streak ended at like 26 seasons, uh, and so th- this is a city, this is a team that wants to get back to those winning ways. They they put the effort in, and I, I think it's going to pay off this year for both of these teams. Uh, yeah, I, I like the slight flex there that you had to look at the pennant from the Penguins to see what year the, the Wings lost. Um, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> oh, wait, he's going to show us. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Um, Nick, so so who's your most improved team in the East? Yeah, so um, I went with the Columbus Blue Jackets here. Um, I can't remember. I always get the divisions mixed up, but I couldn't decide one uh, for the other division, so I just went with the Blue Jackets overall. Um uh, the main thing for me is, you know, the addition of Goudreau. Um, I think George and I talked about it back when we were doing the hockey podcast. This was a team that um, some of the bottom level Eastern Conference teams started to slip up towards the end of the year, and they were closing the gap on them. Um, at the time we first mentioned them, I think, I, if I remember correctly, they were like 13 games back. Um, and a couple weeks later, they were within single digits. Um, so they were close to playoffs last year. I think the addition of Goudreau is going to elevate them um, from where they are to where they're looking to be. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be title contenders yet this year, um, but they have pieces around Goudreau um, to to have a great team, to be a playoff team, and to continue to build from that. So that's why I went with them. Yeah, I mean, I put some notes down, but <laughs> Goudreau and, and Patrick Lane, I think, are going to be a great pair on the wing. Um, Lane could easily be a 50-goal scorer. Goudreau likes to set up these passes. Lane hasn't had anybody good on his team to set him up for years now. Um, a lot of people thought he might want out of Columbus, and now all of a sudden, Goudreau shows up. They signed Lane to a long extension now, too. Um, so they're definitely going to score a lot. Uh, they, they just need to improve on their defense a little bit, but this is definitely a team that can very much contend for the wild card this year. like it i like it i'm learning a lot um so so next up would be the most declined teams for the eastern conference uh nick we'll start with you on this one yes so originally when when i decided this i had chosen carolina i forgot to tell george to update this when i updated everything else um 
I do think that Carolina is going to take a step back. But what I had changed it to um, was the New York Rangers. Uh, after digging into things a little bit deeper, they lost a lot of key pieces on their team and didn't do anything to replace those key pieces. Now, not necessarily, you know, some of their biggest point scores, but a lot of their important depth players um, and even some top rotational players that they just didn't replace when they let them go. Um, but both of those teams, either way, since uh, I didn't have a second one name for this one either, I can include them both. Um, like I said, I, they were both playoff teams last year. Uh, Carolina at one point um, was looked at to possibly be one of the best teams in the league. Um, the Rangers were kind of right below that top tier level, but we've seen in the playoffs, um, you know, they made a lot of, of their opportunity. But I don't see either one of those either one of those two teams competing for um, a, a cup. Carolina might be able to do it. They're definitely not as talented on paper, but I definitely think New York um, is going to struggle this year compared to what we've seen out of them in the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I wish that we would have done this a little bit uh, before I'd picked my team just so I could make George sweat with possibly taking the Rangers. Um, <laughs> George, what were your thoughts here on the most declined teams in the Eastern Conference? I see you've got the Flyers and the Panthers. I do, and uh, people might be surprised because the Flyers were already at the bottom of the division last year. I honestly think they're going to be the worst team in the NHL this year. Uh, they you know, waited and they waited. They were trying to sign Goudreau. They didn't sign anybody else. Uh, they were putting all their eggs in one basket to sign him. He decides to sign with Columbus, and they were left holding their, their wiener in their hands because they didn't spend any of their money. Uh, they lost a lot of really good players, or not really good players, but the only notable names on their team. And then they go out and they sign uh, John Tortorella to be their head coach, who is probably the worst head coach they could have ever signed. Um, he has failed everywhere he's gone. And so uh, this is going to be an awful team to watch this year. Uh, I've also picked the Panthers be just because they lost uh, Jonathan Huberto and Uyghur. Uh They gave all that up just to sign Matthew Tuchuk. Uh Matthew Tuchuk is a great player. I think he's going to do really well in Florida. And this is still a team I have making the playoffs. I just don't see them being the President's Cup contenders. Uh, you know, They won the trophy last year, and they fell apart in the playoffs. They also have a new head coach coming in. It's going to take a little bit for that team to gel and get going. Uh, again, I, I, they're a playoff team in my mind, but they're they're not – winning the division they're not winning the president's cup definitely uh and so that's why i have them as my most declined team i like it i like it um i did forget that like you had said the florida panthers won the president's cup and then we didn't see much out of them in terms of scoring yeah. when it came to the playoffs yeah well they, they, um, they swept the first round and they got swept the second round so we saw them for eight games yeah. um yeah so so next would be the playoff teams and division winners, right? Yeah. So who is your guys' best picks for playoff teams this year when it comes to the Eastern Conference? Uh, George, we start with you. Uh, so in the Atlantic Division, I have Tampa Bay winning the division until somebody shows me that they're not one of the best teams in the NHL. Uh, they, they, continue, they continue to bring in their, their really top-tier talent year in, year out. Uh, until that team gets decimated by injuries uh, or, you know, just the – the core retires. I, I have this as being a playoff team and, you know, an Eastern Conference contending team. Uh, same with the Maple Leafs. They're good enough to get to the playoffs. They're not good enough to win in the playoffs. Uh, like I just said, the Panthers, I think, uh, are still good enough to to make the playoffs. Uh, and I have the Red Wings. I think, like I said, with all the additions they just brought in, they improved their goalie situation. They went from being ranked almost dead last in goals allowed uh, and penalty kill 
Uh, and I think they're going to be much improved this year. We saw them flirt with the wild card line last year. I think they make it in uh, in the wild card this year. In the Metro, I have Carolina winning the division. Uh, yeah, they they had some losses, but I still think uh, they're just good enough to win the Metro in the regular season. The Penguins, again, not a lot of turnover. They made some really good signings. They were able to bring back Latang and Malkin. Uh, so I'm excited to see them come back to finish their careers there. Uh, they re-signed Ricard Raquel. Um, we got to see good flashes of him, and then he got hurt the first game, first round of the playoffs. Um, and so I'm excited to see him with a full season under under his belt in Pittsburgh. The Rangers, again, yeah, they've they've had some significant losses, but I, I still think they're they have a good enough core there uh, to make the playoffs. And I have the Blue Jackets again. They they just brought in Gaudreau and and Lane, uh, and I, I they flirted. I have them knocking off Washington to get into the playoffs this year. I like this. It's, it shows here that you guys kind of agree on six of the eight. So, Nick, what are your thoughts on the on the uh, eight that you have chosen? Yeah, so um, in no particular order, uh, I have Florida, Tampa Bay, and Boston um, as my three locks as far as that side goes. Uh, Boston kept their core together. Uh, they were a playoff team last year, not necessarily one of the flashiest teams, um, but a playoff team nonetheless. Tampa Bay, you know, they were competing for their third championship in a row. They didn't lose a whole lot. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, Florida, like you said, uh, a couple question marks as far as some of the moves went, um, but they're still going to be a good team. They won the President's Cup last year, and it's not like they lost their entire roster. Um, so they're still going to be competing. Um, as far as the other side, uh, again, no particular order. Um, I got Pittsburgh, good team, kept their main pieces together. Carolina, I just talked about them. Um, it, they're still going to be playoff contenders and possibly even chip contenders, you know, we'll see as the season goes on. I also added the blue jackets as one of my locks. Um, I, I think that, like I said, I, I talked about the Rangers and how I think they're going to decline. I don't think the Rangers are going to be a playoff team this year, um, especially looking at how low the expectations were for them last year. And then they lost pieces. They didn't fill. Um, I, I do think they're kind of right on that line. So I don't hate George for putting them in. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't oversell the, the losses they got a little bit to make himself feel better, but nonetheless. Um, and then last but not least in the two wild card spots, I have Toronto. They're Toronto. They're one of the most talented teams in the league offensively. They're going to score points. Um, they don't have to play any game sevens in the regular season. So lucky for them. And last but not least, I have Washington. Um, George said he has the Rangers beating out Washington. I was kind of on the same boat. It was kind of between those two teams. I just happen to pick Washington, um, you know, just because they have some leadership there. They have some good young players. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the top seven teams that I just named are going to be pretty much in there. And that competition is going to be between the Rangers and Capitals. I think it go either way. I just went with the Capitals. On this one. It's, I mean, the reason I had the Rangers, one, I can't talk shit about them because they beat and there's another dollar. Uh, I can't talk. I can't talk bad about them because <laughs> they beat us in the playoffs. I almost made it two dollars. Um, <laughs> But in the same thing, so they still have Zabanajad, uh, they still have Panarin, they still have uh, Shesterkin in goal, who's one of the best goalies in, in the league last year. Um, unfortunately, they still have Truba on defense. So, I mean, their defense is a liability, but he can just go around and knock players' heads off and then they'll be fine. Um, but for, for me, they, they kept their core together. Yeah, they lost some of the, the outside pieces like Kopp. Uh, I think Kopp is going to be a big loss for them, but he, he also came in at the trade deadline last year. Um, and so I, I think their core is good enough to carry them to another playoff. Um, they still have uh, Alex Lafarnier, uh, who was 
not terrible through the offseason, but he was just missing. Like for being a number one overall pick, you you would expect him to be, you know, on the goal sheet just about every night, you know. Uh, and he just wasn't there last year until the playoffs. The, the playoffs, he really came on. He's a big reason why they were able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and so I, I think there's just enough of that team there to push them over the Capitals. Uh, I think the Capitals' age is going to start showing here. Not Ovechkin. Ovechkin, you think his age is going to start showing every year, and he goes out there and still scores 50 goals. He just stands on the same spot on the ice and just keeps it. It has been – oh, my God, that, that is the most frustrating thing. It is, he, he That's his office, and I, and I get that. But, like, how – Every team in the NHL has not been like, okay, listen, just follow Ovechkin. Like, I don't care if we leave somebody else wide open. Like, how do you not guard? If Ovechkin? he is in that quarter of the ice, like, just yeah. be right there. Don't, don't um, even leave his hit. So I'm not saying Ovechkin's going to fall off, but uh, Kuznetsov is starting to get a little old. Uh, they've run a Darcy Kemper for a goalie. Listen, he, the only reason that he's a Stanley Cup winner is because that offense carried him. Uh, he definitely struggled throughout the season and the playoffs. Um, you know, it might be an upgrade for them over uh, Ilya Samsonov, but I, I don't think it, it's enough. Um, and I, I think there's some question marks on their defense, too. So that's why I had the, the Rangers over the Caps. I like it. I like it. You guys are already argue, arguing over. Yeah, geez, I just had a stroke. You guys are already arguing over who's who's going to be that last team to make it in. Um, So right now obviously there's going to be deadlines there's going to be trades there's going to be injuries who are you guys looking at as being the eastern conference champion um nick we'll start with you yeah um i still haven't figured out what answer i'm 100 percent confident in um but if i got to choose somebody the way the team sit right now based off of you know current success and their roster i i I can't not take Tampa Bay. Um, you know, we've seen them three times in a row. Uh, I, I think they have a very good chance to make it four times in a row this year, you know, barring injuries and whatnot. They got one of the best goalies in the NHL. Um, they got a good scoring offense, a good solid defense. I, If I had to put money on a team right now in the Eastern Conference, my choice would have to be Tampa Bay. And George? <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to agree with him. I, again, until... Tampa Bay shows me that they're not the, the perennial contender year in, year out that they have been for the past couple of years. I think if the Penguins can get past the first round of the freaking playoffs, that, yeah, we have a great shot of getting you know <laughs> to the Eastern Conference Finals, to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, we just can't make it out of the first round the past couple of years. Uh, Tampa Bay has shown consistency year in, year out. And like I said, until somebody figures out a way to slow down Stamkos, uh, Kucherov, uh, and their goalie Vasilevsky, Again, until they show me they can't do it, I'm, I'm, that's who I'm going to put. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with Nick here. I'm, I'm going to put Tampa Bay as my Eastern Conference champion for now. And hearing that, George, did, did last year the Rangers beating the Penguins, did that play any into your effect of you picking the Rangers to make it into these final eight teams here, uh, just hoping that karma didn't come back and then um, them end up getting them first round again? No, uh, I mean. Like I said, they, they, this was a really young core they had last year, and they were able to take it. You know, That's why people didn't think they were going to be as good as they were last year. Oh, they're, they're still a young team. Then they get into the playoffs, and it was like, okay, they're young. You know, They don't have playoff experience, and they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like I said, they, they lost big pieces, absolutely. Um, but I, I think they, they brought in enough with Trocek, especially. Um, but there, there's still enough there with Zibanejad, Panarin, uh, and Shesterkin. Just those three guys are enough enough of a core to carry this team back to the playoffs again. That, that's why I have them going back. All right. I like it. I like it. 
Um, do you guys have anything else to add when it comes to the Eastern Conference and the NHL season? Obviously, we'll we'll get to the uh, other side next week. But you better bring notes. You better know all about the Blues next week. I'm quizzing you. Oh, it's the only team I'm researching. Yeah. <laughs> Western Conference champion Blues playoff team. Uh, so so I'll I'll be in Blues. Florida. So I'll see if I can get a jersey by that time. Oh, you, yeah, you can. Yeah. Unless you get the Chinese ones like I buy, and then, then it takes six months to get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting uh, on my Oregon jersey to come. Oh, really? It'll be here next season. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I think it said October 6th. With, at first, it was supposed to be September 6th. I was like, okay, perfect. I'll get it right after they beat Georgia, and then it got blown out, and I looked. It was October 6th. I was like, yeah, I delayed a month, too. Yeah, they probably did that on purpose. They were like, yeah, they're like oh, God, we saw that. We're just going to hold that here at the post yeah. office for you. We're going to save you some. Uh, so moving to something that I'm kind of excited next to the topics, actually. But um, I, I kind of want to see how – I kind of forget with my picks last week how I did. So I'm interested to see the tally for last week's preview. And, I know. Uh, I'm always thinking about that. I'm like, man, I wonder how I did this week. It's nice in the uh, college one because he'll go in and, like, highlight so so we can yeah. keep track. But I, we don't like do that. To, this I like week. to keep it a secret for the NFL. That's fair. That's fair. I, I'm pretty yeah, sure I didn't so, do too hot. So I think that this week was just catastrophe for me when it came to bets. Uh, the Steelers lose a big one on the road against the Browns this past week on Thursday. And then you had the Bills just almost come out flat-footed on an offensive standpoint. That or they just have that that tough of a time scoring here recently. Um, It, it was just surprising. We saw them come out and beat the Rams first game of the season, and now they've just kind of slowly started to have some troubles. We saw their offensive coordinator throwing tablets and stuff. Um, ever since we saw Tom Brady throw a tablet the week before, or was it? yeah, uh, they started implementing a fine to any player or staff member that throws a Microsoft tablet because Microsoft is getting upset that their property is being damaged on a weekly basis. Um, Make better crap. Yeah. <laughs> we, we saw... Giants get the win. Uh, the Bucks and and Packers. That that's the most interesting thing because I've still yet to I'm hear. Sorry, hold on, hold on. Back, back. The Giants got the win. And I made the look. Sorry, I was sorry, I was going to correct sorry, him sorry. when he was done. Sorry, <laughs> no, I wasn't waiting. Yeah. Cowboys got the win without back again. Uh, the quarterback ran uh, through the tunnel like he was going back to the locker room without doing any sort of interview, and so then they had to catch him and get him back out there. His last name's Rush, right? Mm-hmm. For Rush, uh, yeah, MVP. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it was interesting to see. I think what I wanted to ask you guys about in terms of these games here was the Packers and the Bucks game. Uh, we saw virtually no scoring from from what we would have thought last year. Looking at the Bucks offense and the Packers, obviously the Packers have had a hard time scoring after the loss of Devontae Adams. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, after the game, stated that he saw something on the jumbotron that they probably shouldn't have played up there, and that. It could have possibly aided in them ended up getting the win. It was when the Bucks were, I think it was when the Bucks were trying to do a two point conversion. Uh, but what were your guys' thoughts on on that? So he he, he he went on Pat McAfee. He does that every Tuesday. He, it's mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers Tuesday or something like that. I forget the exact name for it. Um, but he said like essentially it wasn't anything to do with the play clock. It was just a tendency that they were showing, and I guess the jumbotron kept showing replays. And so he was like, hey, like, this is what they're doing. And he kind of, the defensive coordinator and head coach were standing side by side. So he went down and told them. And that's, that's at least from his interview on Tuesday, that's kind of what he said it was all about. Um, 
and I guess the way the reason he said like you know it's happened to us at home a bunch of times is uh, you know obviously like hey a, a play happens like we want to show a replay for all the fans to see and stuff so I get that but as far as the game goes um, I think it's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's age is starting to show uh, because the Bucks offense is trash uh, the Packers offense is trash. Uh, it, it's difficult to watch at times. Like, I, I, I turned the game off after the first quarter. Uh, that was some of the most boring football I've seen in a long time. Um, and I, I feel like that's been the case across multiple teams in the NFL, but I guess those two just more so because a lot of focus is on them. Um, as far as the other games, uh, Denver just needs to pack up their season and get rid of Russell Wilson. Um, San Francisco could probably pack it in for the year as well. Uh, the Rams uh, really looked good. Of course, Kyler Murray was distracted by uh, uh, Call of Duty beta. And the bad news is, is they play the Panthers this week, and it's double XP weekend. Uh, so they're, they're going to have back-to-back losses here, so that's really going to suck for the Cardinals. Um, the Steelers-Browns game, the Browns looked really good running the ball, and then they would go away from it for a little bit, and they go back to running it. Uh, and then I feel bad for all the fantasy owners of Chase Claypool, uh, who – you know, or especially the, uh, I guess a lot of people bet the over on his yards and uh, right. he was right there. And then he threw, threw the lateral and it counted against him. Um, as far as the bills, uh, I think it's just a clock management. Like the, uh, the dolphins defense, I think is very underrated and the bills defense was missing a lot of players. So the, the fact that they were able to hold the dolphins offense, like they were, yeah, I know two went out for a little while. First of all, he should not have been able to come back. Uh, he went from barely being able to stand up and just magically appeared back in the second quarter um, or second half. Uh, he should not have been allowed back in the game. Um, but and I understand that the Bills offensive coordinator's frustrations. Uh, how do you not understand at this level of football, you know, clock management? Why are we dumping it five yards in the middle of the field and expecting the guy to get out of bounds when you need to kick a field goal to win? Um, then we had the butt punt too, which you know was great. Mark Sanchez feels a little bit of redemption. It was, it was a big redemption week in the NFL. We had the butt punt, so Mark Mark Sanchez felt redeemed, and then we had Jimmy Garoppolo walk out the back of the end zone. Uh, so uh, Dan Orlovsky felt redeemed as well. Um, just a weird <laughs> weekend in the NFL. The pure like force that you could see in that man's ass cheeks. Oh, it absorbed is, the ball. Is that, is that a cuss word? It's ass cuss word. Now I'll let it slide. It's a body part. We discussed that before. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you could see like it was a good, perfect football indent in this man's cheeks, like that, and it had to hurt. It it looked like he was trying to play it off, but listen, I've gotten hit with with balls being punted before, and that ain't that ain't fun. So he didn't flinch either. He just like, I know. He he's like, what was that? He took it. it he took it. I was. I maybe he's used to it. I don't. Maybe Slate's got another. <laughs> maybe he hangs cool up with Wayne Howard. Yeah. No, no, I can't. <laughs> but one thing I did want to ask you guys both, because we see on our board here that we we had picked for the Steelers-Browns game. But, George, I wanted to ask your opinion. You saw the Bears get the win this past weekend. But uh, so far, it, but... <laughs> I mean, they scored 23 points this weekend, and that is the amount of receptions the Bears have through three weeks. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting when I heard that stat that um, they've gotten two wins and somehow only have completed – passes 23 times in three weeks uh, i just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that and then i have a question about the commanders for you then oh uh my thoughts are this team sucks um i i can't stand watching them uh justin fields needs a lot of development still and hopefully we can get him there um i don't want to see us give up on him too early like we did on turbitsky uh but yeah this this team sucks that that game 
Sunday sucked. And both teams were like, I don't want to win this. You go ahead. And no, no, no. You and it was just it was it was tough to watch. Uh, but yeah, it both like teams Bill sucked. Belichick was calling the offensive plays for it both. Really did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was not easy to watch. And, and so Nick, what what was your thoughts on the game this weekend? Obviously, they had a uh, a rough weekend in uh, at home against Philly. They just could not get offense moving. Um, but they right now sit at what is it one and two, right? Yep. So I, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on how they're progressing so far this season. With their their only win being against the Jaguars, which the Jaguars are somehow really good in their division right yeah. now. So um, I I got Jaguars right now to win that division, but uh, but we'll see how that plays out. No, so first of all, um, whether you're Washington or Seattle or whoever you might be. Uh, when 50% of the people at your home games is from the opposing team, that's not good. Um, normally, what typically happens is we have about three-quarters of the stadium full, about 50% of the stadium's um, capacity is commander's fans, maybe about 25% of that capacity is opposing fans, and then just empty seats. Um, but when you're so close to Philly, and Philly's full of just obnoxious, cantankerous people all over the place, um, who... I've said this multiple times. It's on some of my social medias. Uh, the entire city of Philly, every last person in the city, city of Philadelphia, from the mayor down to the lowest level cheesesteak maker, all live rent free in Carson Wentz's head. Um, he, I imagine, every dream he has is from the city of Philly. Uh, he probably sees the Liberty Bell, maybe the Statue of Liberty, whatever. Every time he goes to sleep, and it was apparent. Um, he was not on his game whatsoever. He was holding on to the ball too long. When he did make throws, they were all over the place. We had negative one passing yards at the actually, I think we had negative sixteen at the half. Negative one like halfway through the third quarter. Um and from an offense where you have the quarterback who's second in the league in yards and tied for first for touchdowns, and to go into a game like that and just get absolutely shut down uh was embarrassing. And that's on everybody. That's on Wentz. That's on Scott Turner. Um, even my boy Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin had dropped passes for first downs. The The entire offense as a whole was not there. The defense, you know, mind you, they gave up 300 and some yards in the first half. But all things considered, our defense actually played really well considering how they played the last two weeks. Um, all 24 points Eagles got were in the second quarter. We held him in the first quarter, got a little tired because the offense wasn't doing nothing, and then came out the second half. The offense started to do a little bit. Defense was more rested. Um, but we can't allow that 24 points, and we can't continue to go scoreless in the first half of games. Uh, it's just going to get tougher to come back as each week goes on. I'm hoping my boy Robinson comes back. Uh, you know, he got shot twice, and the man's out there doing agility drills already. Uh, which is absolutely ridiculous to me, but hopefully he's, he's working harder than I ever would have. I got shot. Yeah, uh, dude got shot twice, and two weeks later he was out like jogging. I'm like, man, I got Did shot. He show up days. like three days later to the like the team facility with like donuts or something. Yeah, it just showed up like crutches. on crutches. Yeah, it that must be nice to be a super freak. But anyway, um, hopefully that'll help the run game. Chase Young, although I'm not, I've fallen off the Chase Young hype train last season. Um, but but I do think that he will add to our defense. Um, I, I think half of our defense is playing out of position. You got Kendall Fuller, who's arguably one of the best slot corners in the NFL, uh, playing on the outside. You have St. Juice, who's a second year 
um, who played well last year on the outside, and you bump him inside to the Buffalo nickel. I, I have no idea what Jack Del Rio is thinking, um, but I have sent many le- angry letters to Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders. Um, hopefully they get him and take him seriously. But yeah, I, I'm this close to going to Walmart and buying a foldable table, ripping my shirt off, painting my chest blue, and diving through that bitch. And I will pay a dollar for that because I don't care. I'm frustrated. <laughs> Uh, all right, so all it so, takes to get Nick on a rant is just bring up the commanders. Yeah, just say commanders, and I'm gone for the next half an hour. Just yeah, so I, I just I think that next season you'll see better in terms of uh, fans in the stands. I think that what probably happened in my eyes is, I mean, they changed from the Redskins to the Washington Football Team. Everyone went out, they bought the hundred fifty dollars jerseys or the hundred dollars sweatshirts, and then the team goes and changes to the Commanders, and they're like. I'm going to give it a year just to see if they keep this name because I don't want to go and buy another $100 jersey and then yeah. have to I mean, if they want to increase attendance, they got to build a new stadium. For it. They, yeah, oh, yeah. Nobody wants to go to a game. And, and in all fairness, like, sewage this might, all comes down to They might need a new Dan owner. <laughs> yeah, because no, like, no, they, they need a new owner. I was reading something the other day that like oh, Dan Snyder's literally having issues getting funding for the stadium basically because everybody's like, yeah, a few. Like, yeah. And yeah. None, none of the cities or municipalities want to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, at, so we'll, we'll go into our standings. Uh, so I lead the way at 11 and 11. Uh, this is supposed to be updated. You're at 10 and 12. Um, and Slate sits at 9 and 13. I don't know why I was so excited to see this, but uh, I don't think he's going to want to see it anymore. Yeah. He's probably more looking forward to the college football one. <laughs> uh, moving on, let's get into our game picks for this week. Uh, so the Thursday night game is Miami at Cincinnati. Uh, this will be 8-15 on Thursday on Prime video, so I hope you're excited for another video lagged from the, the audio. Uh, Cincinnati opens as a three and a half point favorite. The over under is 47 and a half. Cincinnati is wearing their all white uniforms, by the way. They're, they're white tigers. Uh, so let's get your picks. Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, so the first thing I want to say just about Amazon Prime, real quick. You, Jeff Bezos specifically, obviously, he had some say in this endeavor that went on. Like the man owns Amazon. Uh, billion dollar man billion dollar company and you can't line up your audio and your video uh i i don't know i don't know why it is i could care less to be 100 percent honest with you it's thursday night i'm just trying to watch some football uh get your crap together but anyway um i'm going with miami in this game i do listen i thought Bengals real hard especially with them white unis uh but we've seen they're just they're not the same super bowl team they were last year uh george said it perfectly they're the team this year that we thought they were going to be last year yeah you still have joe burrow and jamar chase and joe mixon that are going to make plays um but that offensive line is horrendous miami has miami has lived up to their hype so far uh for what everybody thought they were going to be i had my doubts um you know about tua and tyreek and all that but they have been that team that everybody thought they were i think they go into cincinnati handle business um that I don't know if it's necessarily going to be handedly, handedly, handedly. Uh, Joe Burrow and that white is something fierce, but I, I do think they walk away with it. All right, I'm going to interrupt this just like ESPN interrupted our college football day Saturday. Aaron Judge has officially just hit his 61st home run of the year. I know you all care very much about that, just like we cared very much to have our college football interrupted on Saturday. That still pisses me off. Uh, moving on, Slade, who are you taking? <laughs> So, uh, like Nick, I'm going with Miami. My reasoning is I, I had already picked them just based on their offense and, and their ability to score and the fact that Tua can literally get a concussion, can't walk straight, and they're still going to put him out there in the field and he can still beat the Bills who have 
had an explosive offense up until the last two games. Um, I think that the main thing that I didn't pick the White Tiger unis, which are really, really cool, is Joe Burrow. We saw in the Super Bowl that the line just cannot block for him. This dude is getting hit every single game and getting hit hard. And this so, year's line is worse than last year's line. Yeah, and so I think that uh, while, like, like Nick had mentioned, they have a lot of, of firepower, a lot of uh, stars that they could get the ball to, if he can't get the ball to them, it doesn't matter who's on the who who's out there running routes, who's running. He can't get the ball out of his hands fast enough. He's just getting beat up. And he made the comment that he bruises bad. I mean, I I think it'd be crazy if they put videos out of just like what his like his leg or his arm yeah. looks like after these games because he is getting destroyed. Uh, I am gonna take on Thursday night uh, the Bengals at home. I... <laughs> You can't go against the white tiger uniforms. You you can't wear a uniform that good and lose. If you do, you need to just stop playing football. Uh, so that's why Oregon's done it a time or two, haven't they? Yeah, but so here <laughs> they have cool uniforms. But once you wear like a cool uniform every week, like I feel like it kind of loses it. It's that, yeah, that's fair. Like I really wish they would just have like a solid home and away uniform and like hey for like homecoming and like a, a night game, let's wear these special uniforms. A different uniform every week. I'm not going to lie; is a little bit much, even as an Oregon fan. Um, but <laughs> can't even collect you, all them jerseys. Like, yeah. Uh, but like it, for these, especially NFL teams who like very rarely come out with an alternate uniform. Uh, when you're wearing all white with tiger stripes on it, like Bengals are about to do on Thursday night, you you cannot mess it up. The, the crappy part is, is we're barely going to be able to see it because the freaking video feed from Prime Video is going to be so janky. Uh, moving on, the next game. Uh, we have the Titans at the Colts. This will be Sunday, 1 p.m. on Fox. Indianapolis opens as a three-point favorite. They just beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the over-under is set at 42 and a half. Uh, Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, um, I went with the Colts on this one. I can't lie to you. I could have flipped the coin. Um, the only reason I really went with the Colts is because they're going to have that momentum from beating the Chiefs. Um, they're going to be at home. The fans are going to be wild because they're like, oh, yeah, Matt Ryan's bringing us to a Super Bowl. They don't realize that they just, you know, somehow came away with a miracle. Uh, but nonetheless, this Titans defense is still good. Um, the offense is absolutely terrible. But nonetheless, uh, Derrick Henry, I love the dude. He's a beast. This year could be his last year, and I would not complain about it. Um, but nonetheless, both of these teams are competing to who's going to try to beat the Jags out for the division, in my opinion. Um, but I think the Colts come away with it at home this week. Slade, who are you thinking? Yeah, I agree. I think it was a coin flip. Uh, we saw, yeah, so the Titans. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wait, did I put the wrong graphic in? No, 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 no. So I, I think that it's a coin flip. I think that the Titans have just run into the problem that people have caught on that they're literally going to hand the ball to Derrick Henry every play. And so if they if they clog the holes, I mean, you get enough guys on them, they're going to be able to take him down. Obviously, yeah. it takes more than one person to take Derrick Henry down. But if they get enough people in the hole, they're going to be able to get him. Um, George, but yeah, I think that Matt Ryan is going to be overrated. I think that they they caught a team in the Chiefs that maybe looked past the Colts, and so I think that that might have been what happened last week. Looked right past all the dudes in their holes. Yep, uh, I I am taking the Titans, and for the simple fact that uh, I just saw over the weekend, it's called the Derrick Henry Vermont Snow Theory. Uh, that Derrick Henry always has like a rough start to the season, and I didn't know this was true. I just thought it was a, this year thing. But as soon as it starts snowing in Vermont, like you get the first snowfall in Vermont, that's when he becomes really good. 
they had the first snowfall last week. He played really well last week. He did really well for my fantasy teams. Uh, so I'm I'm fully buying into that now. Uh, I think Derrick Henry's back. Uh, so I'm going to take the Titans on the road. Uh, and that's going to completely backfire on me. Moving on, we have the Commanders at the Cowboys. Uh, Nick, uh, we know you're taking your own team. Uh, yeah. So Slade, who do you got? I, I don't yeah. I don't want another 30 minute rant, so we're just gonna move on to Slate. No, I, I was gonna keep it short, but I'll, I'll just let Slate go. <laughs> I'm going with Dallas. Sorry, Nick. I uh, saw last week's commanders game for the first half, and like you had said, there was no passing and was there when there was passing, it was backwards. So that's what had me pick the Cowboys. I, I'm actually gonna go with the commanders on the road. I think they're coming off a tough loss. They got it, they gotta figure it out against Philly in the second half. Um I think Cooper Rush's magic is starting to wear out. That was a pitiful offensive performance on Monday night. Um, and I think the commanders have a little bit better defense than the Giants do. And I think they have a better offense than the Giants do. Uh, I, I think Jahan Dotson and uh, Terry McLaurin get it together on the outside. They, they air it out a little bit. Uh, and I have Washington winning this one on the road. They still might give up six sacks to Parsons alone. But... Oh, yeah. I mean, they absolutely will. <laughs> we, we We might see. But they'll burn digs. Um, Taylor Heineke in, in this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody burns. I could go out there and burn digs. Yeah. Oh, that's a bold statement, but I'm going to stand by it. Uh, next up, we have the Bills at the Ravens. This will be the 1 p.m. game on CBS. Uh, Buffalo opens as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is at 52. Uh, Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, I went with Buffalo on this one. Um, to sum it up, I still think they're the best team in the league. Uh, you know, clock management and – a, a bad throw at the very end of the game by uh, Allen is, you know, the difference between them being undefeated and them having one loss. Um, the Miami team is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. They're they're a good team. They're going to be contenders this year if everybody stays healthy. Uh, I, the Ravens, to me, yes, they look good. Yes, they always start the season out looking good, um, usually because they play scrubs or lower-level talent at the beginning of the year. They haven't beaten anybody, uh, at least that I can think of. I should have look this up before I said it out loud, but nonetheless, I don't believe they've beaten anybody that, you know, impresses me yet to, at this point in the season. Uh, they always find a way after the first couple of weeks to start fumbling games away. And this is going to be a really mad Bills team that's going to want to come out and win. So I think that's what they do. Slate? Yeah, so I'm going with the Ravens. Uh, Nick, just to go off what you were asking there, the Ravens have beat the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, they <laughs> lost to the Dolphins by four. Um, <laughs> So in terms of scores, yeah, that's pretty even with the Bills. But um, just the last two weeks, I haven't seen the offensive push that that they had last year and the first game of the season against the Rams. Uh, I think that just like when Flacco was with the Ravens and he was in a contract negotiation year and he ended up screwing the Ravens because he had his best year, they signed him for a massive contract, and then he just sucked after that. I think we're going to see Lamar Jackson have his best year this year and they're going to have to sign him for like $300 million. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'm going with the Ravens. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens at home, too. I think they're still upset about how they lost that Miami game. Uh, I think this is going to be a high-scoring shootout. I would absolutely take the over on this game. Um, but I, I think just the fact that they're going into a difficult environment in Baltimore is just going to be the difference. Uh, and so that's why I – that's the only reason I have Baltimore over Buffalo. I think this is a completely even game other than that. I, like you said, I still believe Buffalo is probably one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, but th they have some question marks on defense as well. Or, or who's going to be healthier this week and, and fully capable. Yeah, they have some guys coming back from injury, but are they going to be 100% ready to go? I, th I think that's the only 
you know, big difference maker outside of the environment as to why I'm taking Baltimore this week at home. Moving on, uh, this is the only decent 430 game that we had. Uh, we have the Patriots at Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is a 10-point favorite. This will be 425 on CBS. The over-under is at 40. Uh, I would probably take the under on this game, but Nick, who you got? Yeah, uh, I went with Green Bay on this one. I think it's going to be very close. I think Patriots are going to cover that spread. Um, we we just haven't seen any offense out of Green Bay. I'm, their entire offense basically has ran through Aaron Jones um, or Dylan, for that matter, whichever back happens to be in. But that run game is what gets them going. Uh, they were missing, the, or Aaron Rodgers was missing his top two receivers last weekend. But let's be honest, even those top two receivers are maybe low tier wide receiver twos. Um, I, I just, you know, we know Bill Belichick, what he does with his defenses. Uh, they typically don't let teams score all over them. I, I think this is probably going to be similar to the Green Bay Tampa Bay game, except I don't think the Patriots are going to score uh, as much as uh, the Bucks did. So, uh, if I had to guess, this is probably like a, a 14 or 17 to 3 to maybe 7 if the Patriots get lucky game. Uh, but I'm going Green Bay. Sleep. Yeah, I also am going with Green Bay. I think it could be closer than the 10-point spread there. We just haven't seen the offensive firepower out of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But I think Bill Belichick is in for a couple-year um, rebuild here. And Mac Jones has a high ankle sprain. Um, I don't think we're going to see him this week. And if we do, I think it's going to be at a limited capacity. I don't think he's going to be throwing the ball long. I think it's going to make it a little easier from a defensive defensive standpoint for the Packers this weekend. Uh, I'm going with the Packers at home, too. Uh, again, I think it's a close game. Both of these offensive offenses stink. Uh, like I said, I'm taking the under on this. It's a defensive struggle the whole game. Uh, but I think Green Bay is just a little bit better than, than New England. Uh, moving on to the Sunday night game. Yeah, that was the jinx. Yeah, there we go. Uh, hey, if the Bears can get another game on them, I'll take it. Uh, the Chiefs at the uh, Buccaneers. This will be the Sunday night game on NBC. Kansas City opens as a two and a half point favorite. The over under is at forty five. Nick, who you taking? Yeah, um, I I ended up picking Tampa Bay on this one, and I got to be honest with you, it's probably not the most confident pick I've made on this podcast. Um, but just had a feeling about it. Uh, you know, we've seen the way that they played against Green Bay. They really didn't allow a whole lot of ball movement. Um, you know, the the two drives that Green Bay scored on were really the only two drives that they had a chance of scoring on. Now, granted, uh, Kansas City has a whole lot better passing attack than Green Bay does right now, um, but we just seen them struggle against the Colts, and I think Tampa Bay's defense, uh, especially with Todd, Bowl, Todd Bowles you know, at the helm controlling everything, um, he's going to game plan efficiently to take Mahomes out of the game as much as, much as possible. Uh, really, the big question mark is on the offense. I, I don't know what's going on with Tom Brady. I blame it on his divorce and everything he's got going on off the field. Um, but we just haven't seen him, whether he's had his receivers or whether he's had, you know, his backup receivers in. He looks exactly the same. He's still missing throws, things that we don't see Tom Brady uh, normally do. And I think this Tampa Bay offense is going to continue to struggle. But I think they're going to, you know, be able to ride their defense a little bit and manage to come away with the close one here. Slate. Yeah, I'm going with Kansas City. I just haven't seen any offense out of the Bucks, And I think Kansas City, in my opinion, I think they were looking past the Colts. And so I think that they just got run over last week and thinking that they were going to go out and be able to throw the ball and not have to worry about a defense even being there. Um, I do think that they're unable to score as much without Tariq Hill, their 
not going to want to admit that the entire season because that's not what they're going to want to do. But I think that the two-and-a-half-point spread is too close. I think that Kansas City is going to easily win this one by a score or two. I think that Patrick Mahomes can throw an interception or two and still throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns to get the win. So uh, I'll be interested to see that. Uh, I'm taking Kansas City, too. Uh, I, uh, hopefully, Eric Bellamy, I, I don't know if I'm not saying that, Nate, the Kansas City offensive coordinator and Patrick Mahomes kind of get on the same page this week. They, they get their differences figured out. Um, Tampa Bay's offense stinks. Uh, I have the Chiefs easily covering the two and a half. Uh, and so I have Kansas City winning on the road. And the Monday night game, again, why we're putting San Francisco on primetime, I'm not exactly sure. And how they're opening is a two and a half point favorite. I, again, whatever. Energy um, magic. Yeah. So this will be the Monday night game on ESPN. San Francisco opens as a two and a half point favorite. The over under is at 42 and a half. Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, uh, I went with L.A. on this one. Uh, I'm on the same page as you. I don't see how San Francisco opened as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, they look like crap. Uh, they just lost to a Broncos team by one point that, honestly, in my opinion, has no business winning any games this year. Uh, Russ looks terrible. The entire offense looks terrible. The defense has been you know, doing their job. But nonetheless, San Francisco, their entire offense runs uh, through Kittle and Samuel. Every single defense in the league knows that. Every single defense in the league started to pick up on it late last year. Uh, this Rams team is no exception. They played them numerous times last year. Uh, they've struggled on offense. You know, everybody can see that. Matt Stafford is pretty much throwing a Cooper Cup and only Cooper Cup. Um, I don't know why he doesn't use Allen Robinson more, but for whatever the sake may be, the Rams offense is struggling, but I don't think they're struggling bad enough to lose the San Francisco team. Slide. Yeah, I'm going with the Rams also. You had mentioned it, Nick. He, uh, Stafford's really only throwing to Cooper Cup. They have the most receptions through – or Cooper Cup has the most receptions through the season so far. Uh, I think that it seems like just based on he's the only person he's throwing the ball to, either he's the only one that can run around and get open, or they're really going to make a push for uh, that record this year for a QB to wide receiver reception. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going with the Rams. Again, the 49ers are trash. Uh, I think the Rams are starting to click on offense a little bit. We saw them handle Arizona really well. Uh, and so I have I see them having no problem with, with San Francisco this week. So that will wrap up our NFL picks. Uh, it is time to move on to our college football review. Uh, hopefully Slade did a little bit better this week than he did last week. Um, but let's get right into it. So we're just going to move into the games here. Uh, and Slade, I'll let you take back over. Yeah, so we saw Clemson at Wake Forest. Uh, I had ended up putting a little bit on on Wake Forest to cover, and then um, separately also for them to get the win. I was golfing, and I saw they're going into overtime. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> could possibly win two separate ones. But uh, Clemson was able to get the win. Like it says here, uh, DJ Uga. We'll just keep it at that. Um, was 26 that's, and 41. It's got to be racist. It's got to be racist. You guys call him Ooga Booga. Oh, my. I didn't say I'll that. I said Ooga. Yeah, but. You said Ooga. Um, Nick calls him. I'm not going to stop saying it. Yeah, whatever. Before we get People say my name wrong, so racist. I feel like it's okay yeah, for me to mispronounce me. people's names all the time. <laughs> if um, I go to log into YouTube tomorrow, it's going to be like, no, you're done. Yeah. No. Five, 371 yards, five touchdowns was still outshined. Uh, from a QB standpoint, by Sam Hartman, who had 337 yards with six touchdowns. 
over a thousand total yards of offense. Just crazy to see. Uh, I think you both predicted this to be a big shootout. Um, that's exactly what we saw. It came down to overtime, and Clemson was able to get the win. Um, then we saw Maryland at Michigan. I don't think that we really thought. I think Nick, maybe I think that you had said about how that this would be closer than uh, what people were thinking, and obviously that was the case. You had Tua's younger brother go 20 of 30 with 207 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, which proved very costly. Uh, you had Michigan's running back, Warham, which they've now started doing the corn TikToks for, um, with 30 carries for 243 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, just a ridiculous stat line from him there. And then <laughs> Maryland with three turnovers definitely proved awesome. I just wanted to say something about this game real quick. So, uh, obviously, you know, we talked about how Mer- or Michigan hadn't really faced anybody, you know, big yet. And this game showed that they have weaknesses. And I think the one thing is, you know, we talk about uh, J.J. McCarthy and how talented he is. This game showed that this Michigan team is going to rely on their run defense. And I think that's one big thing um, from last year, their run or sorry, their run offense, not their run defense. Um, We've seen last year while their passing offense wasn't, you know, the most electrifying in, in the nation or anything like that. It was efficient. It was, it was enough to move the chain. So you didn't know if they were running the ball this down or not, you had to really think about it. And I think this year they've kind of taken a step back from that. And a lot of teams are going to rely more on, you know, stopping that run. Um, Really the rest of the season is going to be up to McCarthy and how he responds to that and whether he can step up, make the throws he needs to throw. Um, Because, you know, Maryland, while they're a talented team, they're not Penn state, they're not Ohio state. uh, They're not Minnesota. Um, I don't know if Michigan plays Minnesota this year or not, but nonetheless, like, this is a team that that competed with them and you know for obvious reasons so definitely something to watch as the season goes on yeah and and the next game nick i think that you had also picked iowa state as a possible upset uh we saw them with baylor first half looked like it was definitely something that could happen and then in the second half they were held scoreless until about seven minutes left in the fourth um that definitely proved to be costly uh george's deckers i was quarterback yes okay so the two interceptions is definitely another part that proved to be costly we could have seen maryland and iowa state both with big upsets this weekend but i I just costly interceptions has ended up being what happened uh sharpen or sorry chapin he was uh 19 to 26 238 yards and three touchdowns definitely helped baylor get that win i honestly thought they were going to score more points in this game just based on how we had seen them the previous weeks but they definitely uh, run it out the win. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about all three games real quick. First of all, Nick, uh, Michigan does not play Minnesota this year. Um, as far as Clemson goes, they are still not a top-five team in my mind. DJ has played a lot better than I thought he would, uh, and so shout-out to him. I don't think he's a Heisman contender. Some people have started to throw his name out there for that. Uh, he's not in that conversation at all. Uh, but Clemson is absolutely not a top-five team. Wake Forest should have won this game if the refs didn't hand them uh, a loss. Um, also I, I was feeling really bad for the one Clemson player who had his little sister die and then they cut to the stands and his father is walking up and down the, the aisles, just flicking people off. So I, I don't feel as bad anymore. Um, but Wake Forest deserved to win this game. They should have. Uh, and like I said, Clemson is not a top five team in the country. Uh, Maryland, Ma- the Maryland Michigan game. Yeah. Uh, Michigan definitely showed cracks throughout their whole team. And I, I, I don't think anybody expected differently. 
I understand Vegas had to spread at 17 just because of how dominant their first three games were. But I, I really hope actual Michigan fans weren't sitting there going, oh, my God, Michigan's going to go out there and just steamroll Maryland. Um, I mean, they were going to show cracks against their first real competition. But I think the score overall says more about Maryland than it does Michigan. And at least in my eyes, um, again, three turnovers. And one of those was the opening kickoff that doinked off the dude's face mask and, and Michigan recovers it, scores on the very first play. So you take that away, and this is a 27-27 game going to overtime, if not different. Um, and, and so in my eyes, yeah, Michigan definitely struggled. They should have looked better, I agree. But I think it, it just shows that much heart that Maryland has. I think this is going to be a very good team going forward. Uh, they played Michigan State at home this week. I said it in the preseason uh, you know, preview. When Ohio State plays them the week before the Michigan game, I am absolutely putting Ohio State on upset alert. I think Maryland is a very good team. I think Ohio State might be looking past them at that point. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm calling it now. Uh, I'm circling that game in red. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Maryland over Ohio State in that game. Uh, as far as the Baylor-Iowa State game. It'll be a red game. Yeah. Um, the Baylor-Iowa State game, uh, Baylor gets to win. Good for them. I'm st- I, I need to see more out of them. This, this is a team that was supposed to you know, dominate the Big 12. And you know, be a potential playoff team. Their offense has not been there this year. Their defense has looked really good at times, um, but the, their offense, uh, Shapin was coming back again. Murmurs. I don't want to say there was talk. There was murmurs about you know, hey, if he gets a little bit more experience and grows up a little bit, he could be in the Heisman conversation. Um, it, it's almost like he's taken a, a big step back from last year. Uh, you know, he's consistent and he's not terrible. Uh, but he he's not as stellar as what we saw last year. I don't know if that's the defense is adapting to him or, or what's going on, or if it's just maybe a sophomore slump for him. Um, but he definitely needs to pick it up. They have a big game this weekend against Oklahoma State. Uh, so if, if this team is going to go far, they need shaping the step up a little bit, uh, and it, it's going to have to start this weekend. Yeah. So moving into the next games, <laughs> I, I didn't know, I didn't know if you were going to talk. So uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'll talk on this one. Um, so we had Notre Dame at UNC. We <laughs> that's next. Um, we had Pine go 24 34, 289, three touchdowns, and esteem or esteem 17 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns, and then May with 17 of 32 for just over 300 yards and five touchdowns. I really thought UNC was going to get the win here. Um, did we all three pick UNC? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the upset just, uh, that was, that's right. That, that was that's right. That's right. Because, yeah, because Teresa was saying about how Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it was definitely proved to be true, but I, I definitely thought UNC was going to get the win. And Notre Dame somehow found a way to start scoring on offense. Um, <laughs> and then, then we had Texas against Texas Tech. Um, I had to hear about this for like two hours after it happened. I was glad oh, you're still hearing about it today. I don't know why you thought oh, you yeah, still yeah, owe me Saturday. a picture, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, feel like it's too late. We gotta wait till the yeah. next time Texas. Yeah, loses. it's it's a bit late now. Yeah, yeah. You have to wait till next year. Yeah. Uh, Maybe save it in the vault for later. <laughs> next year. Okay, buddy. All right. Um yeah, so it, it was it was what we expected. We expected it to be a lot of off a lot of fireworks from from that standpoint. Uh, Robinson fumbling in OT definitely Definitely was problematic Huge from someone that doesn't double, uh, right? And so just to see that, I mean, was was heartbreaking for me. Uh, what I thought was a, a really, really 
great game was Florida at Tennessee. Uh, we got to see college game day there, and they did the uh, checkered out. And it was really cool to see. We had Richard Senko, 22 of 44 for 453 yards, which is just crazy to see on uh, 24 completions, four touchdowns, and one interception. And then we had Hooker, 22 of 28. 349 yards and three total touchdowns, which adds up to be another 1,100 offensive yards, which that's two games that we'd seen this past week with over 1,000 yards offensively. Just ridiculous to see. Not something that you usually think you're going to see out of two SEC teams, at least from my perspective, just because I feel like a lot of times it's kind of more of a defensive game in that stand, in that aspect. So what were your guys' thoughts on on these three games? I'll, I'll go first just so I let you guys get your pieces in this time. Um, the Notre Dame game, it was, it was good for them to get their offense on track. Uh, UNC is one of the worst defenses in the country. So it, it I don't know how much it says about their offense, but it, going into the next few weeks, it's like, hey, we know we can do this now. Um, we, we know we have the players. We have the playmakers. Uh, so let, let's go out there and, and put points on the board finally. Um, as far as Drake May – I still am very impressed with him. And so far this season, stepping into um, Sam Howell's shoes, I, I think he's going to be a great quarterback there for at least another year. Um, five TDs is, is absolutely ridiculous. It's against a, a stacked Notre Dame defense, I would argue. This is a Notre Dame defense that held uh, Ohio State to 21 points, I want to say. I, I'm remembering that correctly. Yep. Um, the Texas-Texas Tech game, uh, Texas had that game in the bag. They went the halftime up 10, and they came on mm-hmm. the second half and just – Shut down. They, they I put off the throttle, or Texas Tech just played that much better. I don't know, um, but they they cannot get Quinn Ewers back soon enough. Uh, Hudson Carr just kind of fell apart in the second half, uh, and then you had Bijan Robinson follow or fumbling in overtime. Uh, in the Florida Tennessee game, uh, Florida is not this good. Um, Tennessee's defense is just that bad, and that's very concerning. Looking at the stress they're heading into, they have Alabama in two weeks. Um, they, they should have won this game by a lot more, especially with the turnovers that uh, AR had. Um, and then, they, they again, they took their foot off the throttle at the end of the game. Uh, they had Florida dead the rights. They were up two scores. And the next thing you know, Florida drives down. Uh, just There was nobody within 15 yards of receivers at times. Uh, Florida goes down. They, they get a touchdown. They get the onside kick. And they almost go down and, and score the game-winning touchdown. Um that's not the mentality. That's not the team that is going to beat Alabama in two weeks. Uh, so they definitely have a lot to fix on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense looks good. And in Hooker is, in my mind, a Heisman candidate so far this year. Um, but th- their defense is, is concerning, especially, like I said, with Alabama coming up. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to win in two weeks anyway, whether their defense shows up or not. But, Nick, what were your thoughts on these games? Yeah, um, as far as the first two go uh... – Notre Dame, you know, like George said, glad to see that they're finally scoring points. Uh, that's a tough defense. Um, I, I thought that that game was going to be closer, but I also didn't see Notre Dame scoring 45. I know UNC's defense is uh, shaky to be very considerate to them. Um, but Notre Dame got some leverage now, got a little momentum. Uh, maybe they can build on it, see if they can kind of right this ship a little bit, bring the season around and, and get back up to uh, a respectable status. Texas and Texas Tech, uh, this game was exactly how I thought it was going to go. They let Texas Tech stay around and ended up costing them the game. Uh, as far as Florida and Tennessee goes, how Florida ended up only losing this game by five uh, is beyond me. Like George said, that 
in my opinion, this should have been a 21 point game easy. Um, you know, Florida managed to hang around. I had high hopes for Richardson at the beginning of the season, and he's shown flashes, um, but it seems to that he's on his floor a lot more than, you know, he's up at his ceiling. And I, I think we're kind of getting to the point where I can say that comfortably. Um, but nonetheless, shoot out of a game. Tennessee looks great on offense, uh, but that defense is a big question mark. And that's going to, you know, like George said, they got Bama coming up in, in two weeks and your defense cannot have question marks uh, no matter what it says on paper. If you have a good game plan, you can stick with Bama. We've seen it from Texas. Um, we've seen it from other teams in the past. Uh, but I, I don't think Tennessee's got that formula. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that just the one thought I have on it is uh, Texas, like George had mentioned, desperately needs win yours back. And uh, I had mentioned during the college podcast on Saturday that Texas Tech was the better team on paper and everything. But I'm on this Texas bandwagon right now, so I gotta I gotta ride it out. Um, you know, I have to definitely say, need they definitely need Quinn back. George and I said that you were wrong when you said Texas is back, and I would like to apologize because you're not wrong. They're back. They're back exactly like they were last year and the year before. They're back exactly how everybody's used to seeing them. They're, so. they're back in the basement. Yeah, we'll see. Right. We'll see. So next, then uh, we had some good games here. Maybe not uh, as as close as we we thought. With <laughs> Saints on that middle game, and went, "Oh, this is a good, this is a good section." Oh, wait, I see the other two. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. So uh, I think that I was the only one to pick Michigan State to win that first game. Um, could yeah. be wrong with that, but I think so. Yeah. So Minnesota with the thirty-four to seven win. Um, Morgan went twenty-three to twenty-six, two hundred sixty-eight yards and three touchdowns. Just a crazy performance. Only have three uh, incompletions. And then you saw Thorne was 17 to 24 for 132 yards, two interceptions. Definitely proved to be costly. 240 yards for the total. What the heck is that, George? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Michigan State sorry. has 240 yards total. Minnesota had 508. Okay, okay, okay. I was reading it wrong. Sorry. So yeah, yeah. So Michigan State had half the amount of yards that that Minnesota had. Definitely proved to be uh, costly with the interceptions that Thorne had. Um, a game that I was really interested in. I thought Arkansas was going to be able to get the win here. They just weren't able to pull it out against Texas A&M. They lost 23-21. We saw Jefferson go 12-19 with 171 yards, three total touchdowns, and I believe it's pronounced Shane. Um, he had 19 carries with 160 yards and one touchdown. Arkansas did miss the winning field goal with about a minute and 30 left in the game. Um, did you guys get to see that game, both of you? Uh, I got to watch a good bit of it. Yeah, it was it was really interesting to see. I didn't think that Jimbo Fisher was going to be able to close the game out there at the end, but Arkansas missing that field goal. Yeah, I was going to say he tried right, right. not to. He tried. Yeah. And then we had uh, Iowa against Rutgers. Um, I believe that Nick, you picked the under, right? This just passed by like what was it? Yeah, missed it by three like points. That? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Williams had 11 carries, 64 yards, and one. I don't even know what that is. Sorry, I'm having a stroke right now, being tired from being up so early. I think, I think the... it was supposed to be a touchdown, but my fingers are too okay. big. I All hit right. the F next to the D. <laughs> All right, and then we had Simon, uh, 28 of 49. Jesus, with 300 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. There was 10 total punts in this game. Uh, 
Petrus had a QBR of 11.6. George, I'm pretty sure you could have did better than that. I know. Uh, well, I, right, listen, I don't know, I don't know if that was just, I don't know about all that, but I don't know if that was just Saturday, but I, I want to say that's his season total so far. Um, <laughs> but would not so it, in that game, uh, one of those INTs for Simon turned into a pick six. Uh, without that, you're looking at a 2017 game, so a lot closer. Uh, I think Rucker should have been in this game a little bit more. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't for them. This is still a team trying to rebuild, trying to come up. Uh, again, I think they're going to be better than last year, uh, just not quite there yet. Um, the Minnesota-Michigan State game, I had Minnesota winning. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I, didn't, I did not expect Peyton Thorne to play so poorly. He got pulled late in the second half. Um, really I don't even understand why he's still playing. I mean, I guess they don't have any yeah. better options, but I haven't seen anything yeah. from Thorne that impressed me ever. Yeah, uh, again, I, I just I, – I, not impressive, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Uh, I don't want to say Minnesota's a real deal yet, but they, they look very good. Uh, and I think they're probably my favorite right now to win the Big Ten West. Originally it was Purdue, but Purdue can't even barely beat Florida A&U um, or FAU, I guess. Excuse me. Um, as far as the Arkansas game, uh, Arkansas had every right to win that. Uh, this is almost like the Bears-Texans games we were talking about earlier. Neither team wanted to win. Uh, if it wasn't for a fumbled half-ass attempt to dive across the goal line by K.J. Jefferson um, that Texas A&M took back for a touchdown, I think they win this game. Uh, Texas A&M's offense is terrible outside of the running back. Uh, it doesn't matter if they put Max Johnson or Haynes King in. Um, they, they can't throw the ball. They can only run it. Uh, a lot of people, I was listening to some guy on TikTok today, he's like, oh, I, he's ranked his top five games remaining this season. He's he was, Texas A&M at Alabama is going to be like the, the the deciding game in the SEC West. It's not because Texas A&M can't run a, a damn play. And I'll throw another dollar jar if I have to. I don't care. But their offense is terrible. And I understand why people keep hyping this team up to be good. They're not. Uh, their, their defense is, yeah, outstanding, stellar. I think Alabama is still going to carve up their defense. And Texas A&M's offense sure as heck ain't scoring against uh, Alabama's defense. Um Arkansas plays Alabama this week. I think it's going to be closer than – I think the spread's at 17. I think it's going to be closer than that just because, like I said, Alabama's offense isn't anything next level. Uh, but uh, Arkansas's offense is, is not very good. Uh, we just saw that this week. So I'll take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so just, just a quick rundown. Um, Tanner Morgan, six-year super senior. Uh, looking legit. I, you should hope so after like four years in the same offense. Uh, like I said, Peyton Thorne, I, I honestly think is one of the worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Um, I, I don't know why he's there, but nonetheless, uh, Arkansas, this should have been a 28 to 17 game. Um, like George said, you know, you had that fumble with the scoop and score that kind of changed the whole dynamic of the game. And even, you know, keep that in, push it off to the side. You got to make that field goal. Um, Arkansas has been a team that has started each preseason in the last couple of years that I can think of at or in or near the top 25 um, and, you know, continue to work. And they've always been, well, maybe this is their year. Maybe this is their, their year. If they continue to let things like this happen and fail to close out games, they're never going to get there. And last but not least, yes, I was upset. The under for the Iowa game finally missed. Uh, it was close. We were sweating it out at the end. Um, but another terrible offensive performance, how they got 27 points. I mean, I guess when your defense is stout and you're playing Rutgers, you can score 27 points. Um, but I don't expect to see that as their uh, competition starts to get a little heavier. So 
you know, like George said, Rutgers is in a, in the middle of a rebuild. Um, I, I think that they're going to be a, a decent team here in the next couple of years. But I, I'm getting tired of seeing Iowa every weekend. I, I don't even watch the games, and I still get tired of seeing them. So I can't imagine how their fans feel. Luckily, they have that end of the first quarter thing where they wave at the fans um, up in the hospital, which, honestly, the fans waving back is should be on the same level of, of respect because everybody on the field probably is the worst football player, at least on the offensive side, as some of the people up there. So uh, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and let us move on here. Uh, I did very well to not say anything disrespectful in that segment. So. Yeah, so moving into the last game to talk about, which would be where the uh, college football game day should have been, which was in Kansas. Uh, we saw Daniels go 19-23 to 23 for 324 yards with five touchdowns. Uh, Leonard with 24 of 35, 324 yards with one touchdown. Pretty crazy. Is that stat correct that they both had the same amount of passing yards? Yeah, it is. Um, Kansas had 528 total yards pass, uh, in this game. It's their first 4-0 start since 2009. They won the game 35-27, and we really didn't see it. Um, so the first half was was pretty close in that it was 7-7 start, and then it went and went to, uh, to um, sorry, in the second quarter it went to be 14-7, and then Duke ended up scoring a field goal, taking it to halftime at 14-10, at, uh, and then, no, sorry. I'm completely wrong. It was 21-13 going into the half. And so it was basically about that spread until the fourth quarter when uh, Kansas scored another touchdown, then Duke followed with a touchdown, and then Kansas got one more in garbage time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Duke showed a lot of fight in, in not letting Kansas run away with it. I think there's plenty of opportunities for Kansas to do that. They started off the game really hot. Um, but Duke showed a lot of fight. They kept clawing back into this game. Uh, Kansas just kind of started to put the nails in the coffin there in the fourth quarter. I think this is a Duke team that could definitely challenge for the ACC. I don't. I don't want to quite say yet. You know, I don't want to say they're on the same level as Clemson yet. Uh, as I think Florida State is is even up there with Clemson now. Um, but this is a much better team than we've seen in years prior. Uh, this is absolutely a, a team that you can't take lightly if you're in the ACC. You you can't walk into Duke or have Duke come into your stadium and be like, no, oh, this is just an easy pushover win like it has been in years prior. Uh, this is a team that's absolutely going to challenge a lot of people uh, and give some teams fits. Not quite at the ACC championship level yet, uh, but I'm super excited to see where this, this Duke team goes. As far as Kansas, uh, how they are not favored this week at home against Iowa State, I am not 100% sure. Uh, I've said it before. They're going to keep, you know, I, I understand. There's no history with this Kansas team. The only history they have is, is two win seasons, zero win seasons, three win seasons most. Um, and so this Kansas team has a lot of, of way to go to change people's minds. Uh, but I think Jalen Daniels absolutely deserves to be on the Heisman watch list right now. Uh, I think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's an amazing playmaker. I watched a lot of that game on Saturday. Uh, the way he can command that offense is, is next level. Uh, I'm super excited to see the more he continues to lead this team. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor better watch their backs when they play Kansas. Uh, you know, even if Kansas doesn't win another game the rest of the season, this is absolutely a team that can threaten the, these high-powered teams that we, we think so highly of. Yeah, so I guess the next part would be to move into how we did this past weekend with our picks, right? 
I thought you guys were going to talk. Oh, I got, I got the Jack Wagon rankings in here first. Right. So, so George has been putting a lot of effort into his uh, stats. Yeah, yeah. All the credit. And so uh, he's compiled our, our top 25 for this week. And he, he still, I mean, I'll let you talk about it, but you had, you talked in the group text about how you still feel that there might be a, something here or there that you want to tweak. But for the most part, you've put this thing, to, you put this thing together about a week and a half time, so yeah. pretty crazy. I mean, I, I think I just needed to tweak strength of schedule and just have it updated throughout the season. But, yeah, uh, so as of right now, Kentucky is 25th. Uh, they struggled this past week with Northern Illinois, so they dropped from 19th. Mississippi State is now ranked. Illinois is now ranked at 23rd. Oklahoma State drops to 22nd, but that's just because they have the bye week. Uh, North Carolina State jumps up into the rankings in 21st. Florida State jumps up into the rankings at 20th. Western Kentucky, after blowing out, uh, I can't remember what school. It was a Florida school. Uh, FIU, they blew out FIU uh, 73 to nothing, and so now they're ranked. Um, Utah jumps up from 23rd to 18th. Clemson uh, falls one spot to 17th. Oklahoma 16th. Lane 15th. They fall from 9th. They lost this past week. Um, Washington jumps up from 18th to 14th. James Madison uh, swaps uh, down to 13th uh, from 12th. Penn State jumps up to 12th. Uh, Baylor is at 11th. Kansas is at 10th, where they rightfully deserve to be. Uh, USC is at 9th. LSU jumps all the way up to 8th from unranked, uh, just because they beat New Mexico State. Um, And... Uh, Minnesota is still at seventh. Ole Miss drops to sixth. Georgia at five. Michigan at four. Tennessee at three. Ohio State at two. And Alabama is a new number one team. Um, and then our updated uh, game picks. This leads away at 33 and 14. Slade's at 29 and 18. Uh, I am at 27 and 20. Our cash out picks. Uh, Nick still leads that 12 and six. I'm at seven and 11. And Slade is at seven and 12. Uh, so that will wrap up our college football preview. Uh, Slade's trying to get out of it, but we are going to do our top five. It should not take long. Um, and so let's get right into it. Uh, the top five this week is the top five most untrustworthy types of people. Uh, Slade, I'll let you go first. You guys go first. You guys go first. All right, Nick, you go first. All right. Uh, so I'm sitting here looking at my notes, and I don't know if one of y'all got into it or not since I, since I just happened to put it on the rundown thing, but I – either didn't write down a number number five or George is messing with me. George so, erased it. I didn't do oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then uh, I'll just go with four then because apparently last night I didn't write a fifth down. So number four, uh, ranch on people or ranch on pizza people. Uh, I I don't hate the, the dunking into the ranch. Like, you know, you take the corner of your pizza, you dunk a little bit in, you take a bite. That's fine. What what scares me, what makes me nervous is the people that will take the ranch and drizzle it on there like it's a salad. I, yeah. Weirds me out. Not a fan of it. Number three, this one's probably a bit obvious. Uh, I feel like everybody could have this on, but I went with racist because, like, what are you even doing anymore? Uh, there's so much other things to be concerned about other than the, the color of somebody else's skin. Uh, so I don't trust racist. Number two. Andrew Tate followers, let's be 100% honest here. We can say whatever we want. Um, the man sounds like an absolute crackhead 75% of the time that he's talking, and the other 25% is just complete gibberish. Uh, I, I don't understand how this man has a following of any sort. I, I mean, I get it, like City Boy Summer or whatever. Uh, but let's be honest, we're all grown men here. 
Um, and number one is bone in versus boneless wing, guys. If you choose bone in, we've talked about this before. Boneless is cheaper. It's more efficient. You get more meat. There's no reason as an adult that you should sit there and say, oh, I like to work for my meat and eat it off the bones. Like, just get boneless. Save yourself some money. Get yourself some more meat. Uh, why you choose to go out of your way to make an inefficient decision is completely beyond me. Grow a set of balls. Get the boneless wings. Right, fair enough. Uh, I'll do my top five real quick. Uh, number five Fired is up. Cowboy fans. Um, I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, if I see you wearing a Cowboys hat, Cowboy jersey, I immediately want nothing to do with you or I don't want to share any information with you. Uh, number four is people Sorry, who mom. don't wave back when you wave at them on the street. Um, or even just give like that white person smile, like, and they give you no acknowledgement at all. Uh, I want nothing to do with you. Or the uh, old white no, person. Yeah. N- number three <laughs> is vegans. Um, they have so many rules and, and so much BS going on with that whole situation. Uh, it's, no, I, I don't. If you can't understand simple research as to why some things don't affect animals the way you think it does, and you refuse to eat said product like honey honey is probably my biggest one um because they insist that they, the beekeepers force them to rape bees um and so they're they won't eat honey uh if if you just refuse to do any ounce of research and you just believe what some tiktok influencer is telling you uh i don't want to trust you number number two uh, and this got nick fired up if you chew hard candy like jolly ranchers or lollipops and i mean without like sucking on it first if you just pop one in your mouth and instantly oh, chew it okay. You scare me. Like, yeah, no, if you want to, like, throw it in there, like, 30 minutes it's later. A, like, like, I'll suck on a Jolly Rancher a little bit, but Jawbreakers, I don't know why. A Jawbreaker, I'll uh, just, in my mouth, instant bite. No, but, like, if I hate you a Jolly Rancher and I hear you crunching it instantaneously, uh, that scares me. And uh, you're a psychopath. I want nothing to do with that. I won't and, argue it. And number one is, and this is what gave me the whole idea for this list. It's, it happened to me last week. Um, Hold on, right before you get started, just because I know you have this written down. Your number three should have instantly talked you into making one of your numbers TikTok influencers. Uh, I just because you said about if you hear something from TikTok influencers, and I should have put that at least at my number five because like I hear TikTok influencers all the time say some dumb shit. Oh well, there's a dollar, but anyway, <laughs> and, and it just right blows now. my mind. Yeah, um, we're gonna be rich. My number one. So, so what happened? I was at a job site, uh, and there was another worker there and on the front of his van he had a green bay packers logo and i was like oh man you got you got something on the front of your van and he's like oh i just put that on for the winter i was like i'm a bears fan that's why i said something he goes oh i like the bears too if you are any if, if you were that kind of person where if you see another rival team you're like oh hey i like that team too i instantly want nothing to do with you mm-hmm. um either you're a fake fan or you just don't know what you're talking about um or you're just lying to appease me and which is all three of those are, are scenarios which I don't want to trust you with any information at all. If I if I tell you I, I'm a Commanders fan and you're wearing a Cowboys shirt, you go, oh, I, I like the Commanders too. Uh, I want nothing to do with you. And I will personally was, punch you in the face. Yeah, and the worst part was is this this wasn't the first time this had happened with the Bears and Packers. There was another house. A guy had a Packers flag outside. I went, oh, you got to take that down if you want me to do any work. And he was like, oh, I'm from Wisconsin. Like, and he's like, I'm a Packers fan. I was like, yeah, I understand. I was like, I'm a Bears fan. He goes, Oh, I like the Bears too. And I, I no, I, I want nothing to do with you. I don't want your money you at that it, point. Do you think it's to save themselves from the sob story that you have to tell them about 
I don't want to tell them a sob story. I don't want to tell them. Like, they they should know already how depressed I am being a Bears fan. It it should not be a big deal that, like, don't lie to me and say, oh, I like that team too. Like, it'd be one thing if you're, like, a Cardinals or a Bills fan. And you're like, oh, I like the Bears too. Like, okay, that's fine. But you can't be a Packers, Vikings, or Lions fan and be like, oh, I like the Bears too. You're lying. You're you're a traitor. uh, And you're just an a-hole. We can throw Tom Brady fans in there too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No so I, I, I just didn't remember to do it. I asked you guys the question, and that's why I was trying to skip it. Uh, but I do want to add on to like some of the things you guys had said. I, I'm sure I could be one in your guys' top five as one of those people that just doesn't do it. Um, but the hard candy thing, one thing, I, I don't deal with candy, but ice in my soda, if it's fountain soda oh, ice, like you know yeah, what I'm ice, talking about, the, the little ice is, the little ice is ice. completely different. I'll yeah, take a full okay. ice cube and chew on that. Ice is completely different. But I've, 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 heard say, I've heard people do the same thing and say that if someone chews on ice, they're a psychopath or something like that. No, so that's I don't, I want, I don't want my mouth freezing. Like, especially yeah. if you take that right out of the freezer, you put that in your mouth. It's like freezer burn on your tongue. You got to get that thing chewed up and, and down the throat as fast as you can, like like a freaking pump. Down the throat is. <laughs> it's been a sus episode today (laughs) yeah but uh (laughs) all right moving on we will see you guys on saturday morning for our college football episode as always our college football pregame show we're super excited to bring that to you guys as well uh we will see you next week we will review week five of college football week four of nfl um We'll do our Western Conference preview. We'll we'll do a little NASCAR talk as well. Hopefully this week we'll be better at Talladega, except the whole field's going to wreck, so we can talk about that, uh, especially if tires blow out. Um, talk about BJ McLeod and how he got a top 10. Yeah. Uh, but we will see you guys next week. Uh, we're super excited to uh, bring that episode to you guys as well. Hopefully you enjoyed this week. Please subscribe to our YouTube uh, and make sure you turn on your notifications so you know when a new video is posted, and especially so you guys know when we go live on Saturday mornings, uh, so you guys can follow along with that as well. Uh, and we will see you on Saturday morning with Out of the Tunnel. Thank you.